We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. I think the biggest question people are going to have with this one is, what the heck is that circle? Uh, or what the heck is cream? <laughs> if you've ever read Haruki Murakami before, you know he is the last person you want to ask about how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? <laughs> <laughs> they figured that out, didn't they? It's like 68 or something. He doesn't tell you what to think as an author, <laughs> right? Like that's that's really the point is he's kind of like he lets the reader evolve into his own thought process. And I've noticed that um, his short stories tend to be a little bit more philosophical, I would say, than his longer novel prose. Like This guy is your guy. And he is the exact opposite of what I want out of an author. But I love it because he challenges me. I want to know the ending. Tell me what it means. Do not leave me hanging in my own brain because that's where bad things can lurk. And yes, it's almost like that thought exercise stories that we've done before. You know, and that's a great point. He's doing the exact thing that you hate, which is ambiguous endings, asking the right questions, but maybe not giving you his answer at least. And I think that drives a lot of readers nuts. But here you are. That's something that does drive you nuts. But you still enjoy him nonetheless. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you getting with Cream? Right. This, first of all, this is a fantastic story. I absolutely love it. But what I love, too, is the narration. I love it when an older narrator tells us the story of when they were younger because the older guy is wiser maybe can interpret things better than when they were younger but that's not what happens here he's like i could never understand this moment and he tells us about this strange situation and that strange situation is basically the frame narrative it's the story that we're kind of experiencing it wasn't a usual story that usually when the older person is giving their life lessons, they understand everything because they're the wise old one. Mm -hmm. And this guy's mm -hmm. like, yeah, here's the story and I have no clue. Like, you're a younger guy. Could you help me understand this maybe? And I, I love that, that you're asking for help and that it's okay to not know something and it's okay to ask for help. That is an amazing lesson in itself right there. And that perhaps a younger generation has the answers for you. I love, 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 love it. Well, and then even from an allegorical standpoint, isn't this kind of like what literature is all about? Where we can take, we can both agree on exactly what happened, but completely disagree on the why or the takeaways. And this is one of those stories that's, that's just a picture of that exact conversation that you want with other people when it comes to literature. Like, well, that's not how I saw it at all. And maybe why did I see that different? Well, I'm prone to think this way. And it's those differences that allow literature to flourish and accomplish its job of getting us to ask the questions about what is this saying about me and my prejudices or experiences in life. So what did you think about how like this started off with these two individuals, an old man and younger man coming together and discussing life. And it happens to me every time this narration's used where I just kind of forget about that, honestly. <laughs> like when you started to Fair ask enough. that question, <laughs> when you started to ask that question, I legitimately started to think about how he got the letter. 
and about how he starts walking up to the recital hill. Like to me, that I mean, in the framed narrative, like that is where it starts, right? But to your point, that that's not exactly the point where the reader starts his story. But what's interesting is we get all of this backstory on this main character, which I think is really important. Like you, glo- that's what I love about this. You just gloss over how he's kind of you know not doing the best at exams. He's not working the hardest. Like he is. I don't want to say. I, you can't, I don't want to say Slacker. He's, you, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but uh, he's lacking some motivation. Right. And there's something about this. He knows that, and he still chooses to go forward with that. And then here's this girl that's being compared with him. That was able to do the recitals when they were younger. Like she was able to accomplish things and he's not able to accomplish things. And I think that's kind of like this thing that just kind of gets washed over real quick. And I didn't revisit that thought process until the end of the story. And see, it nagged on me through the whole story of was this his just perception of what happened? Was this something that he failed, he failed himself? Or did he fail her? Um, And and I, I felt like he was pranked almost like he was getting punked and it wasn't fair and it just it kept eating at me the whole time throughout the story and then i learned the meaning of the story is you shouldn't have and it's like it's like he got me yeah he heads up the hill and i think this was the first moment where i kind of i had a twist was there's nobody up there right there's no people and then all of a sudden the cars are going the wrong way the recital hall is locked where he went to go you know he thought he was going to go meet her and i thought at this point i'm just like the same thing with you is, is are we dreaming? Is he doing that thing where we enter this very surreal world? And all of a sudden there's this speaker of this like message of faith of you're going to die and you need to repent and hear your sins. And I'm like, whoa, Murakami, where did that come from? Because for me up to this point, I hadn't really seen much religious symbology. And I'm like, okay, I need to tie together what's going on with this knowledge in the beginning and what's going on with this faith and this message at the end of redemption. And then it just kind of ends with the old man just being like, yep, never figured out what that was long ancient time ago. Didn't know what that meant. It was a very strange story on the surface is what I would say is, is what you start with. And I feel like the story of her pranking him is the best way I can describe it is a lesson that she's trying to teach him of it doesn't matter what other people think. And he failed that lesson by going there to the performance when nobody was actually there, her, her setting him up for failure. And he, he did fail. I think that life lesson, that's what I kind of took away from it. Well, I like that quote when he says, my friend looked confused. Are you telling me that there's no need to know what it was all about? I nodded and I'm like, dude, are you messing with me? (laughs) (laughs) That's the best quote of the whole story, really. I mean, if you could sum up this story in one line, it's that one of, you're just telling me you you don't know what it's all about, and that is so meta in this story. Well, I feel like if you were to pick one word to sum this story up, I think we have to start with the word cream, and we have to figure out, okay, how are, how are, how are we going to assign meaning to it, right? Because you have that dialogue where they talk about, but when you put in that much time and effort, If you do achieve that difficult thing, it becomes the cream of your life. The cream of the cream. It means the best of the best. The most important essence of life. That's the creme de la creme. Get it? The rest is just boring and worthless. So I think he's getting to, for me, for how I interpreted this, is is what is the most important thing in life? And 
when I think back to that part that I just kind of washed over in the beginning is what's this boy going through, right? They talk about how he's an academic Ronin, which is a very specific term to use. Ronin being a, you know, samurai who's lost his master. He's a wanderer, if you will, in a sense. He doesn't want to study. He knows he ought to. Instead, he's just kind of wandering through these stories, if you will. And he comes across this girl that isn't wandering. She's dedicated. She's going to achieve this, you know, way to play the piano and she performs it better than him. And, you know, is she writing now to kind of gloat over him? It, it all kind of led down this, this expectation that we thought this guy was going to go on this journey where he's going to hit one of those Joycean epiphanies. I thought once, you know, he's climbing up the mountain at the end, right? Like, Is he going to rise to the occasion at the top of the mountain as he's rising up the mountain? And for me, I guess it comes back to the idea of, I don't understand the kind of the terminology, the analogy of that the cream rises to the top and the cream is the best because I thought you scooped the cream off and threw it away. And so for me, it was almost like, hey, he's figuring it out that you don't have to be the cream to be something mm. worthwhile. Okay. Okay. See, I was, um, I go back to this line. There's a line in here where he says, there's nothing worth getting in this world that you can get easily. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's deep. Well, and I think it speaks to the idea of we spend our whole lives striving to be better. We spend our whole lives thinking about the next step. And there's various religions and such that talk about being mindful, being in the present. It's something that some of us lose sight of when we're chasing the cream, to your point. We spend our whole lives not being in there and chasing it, that we never actually live in the moment. And here's this guy who doesn't even have a goal that he's chasing. Like He, he also doesn't even know what his, his best moment is. So isn't that interesting that there's so many of us that are trying to find that perfect moment and are never achieving it. And even if you achieve the best moment, how do you know that's the best one? And here you have this old man who he's gone through his life and I don't think he still knows what his best moment is. Maybe it's one yet to come and he's kind of telling this young kid, hey, you're never going to know what your best moment is. And sometimes life, like we said earlier, is about asking the right questions and not having the right answers. So there's like this tonal shift that I feel like happens when we're just totally entering this surreal dreamlike state when the van rolls around with the message, the religious message. Were you able to tie that in at all in your interpretation of the story? I didn't pick up on it my first time through and I, I had to go back through and I guess there's a little bit of kind of that maybe only God knows um, what your best moment is going to be. God only knows the greatness that you will achieve and you should just continue to keep striving for it. And that's the best we can hope for as, you know, unperfect creatures. So a circle with many centers, um, did that pull on any like illusion heartstrings for you at all? No, <laughs> you know, I don't have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> so Voltaire. French oh, enlightenment. okay, I know where you're going now. I, I, I think it's to him. Now, if I, I kind of Googled it because I was like, well, is he really the original one? And I went down this rabbit hole. And after the end of the rabbit hole, I'm actually, I'm like, I don't even know the answer anymore. Like, it's, it seems like kind of controversial. So that, for the, the rabbit hole of, is the mountain. The, you can never know when you reach the cream, right? So let's just, for the purpose of this moment, assume this is the source, okay? I have a quote from Voltaire that says, God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference is nowhere. 
And I think that about that from like a perspective angle, right? Because is your, you know, depending on how big the circle, small the circle, where you're on the circle, like perspective matters. And I think perspective is something that you can only kind of feel like, like context is what gives value in our lives. And I can't help but think about how this message is like running around spitting rhetoric, like religious rhetoric is, this is kind of how you can interpret it. And is that necessarily going to change people's minds? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe for some, maybe, maybe not for many others, but I think this is thinking, talking to like that moment of how do you know when you found the cream? How do you know when you found the center, you've got the perfect moment or that perfect solution or the perfect answer, or you have truth. And you only know that through experience. You don't know it through knowledge, right? And you'll notice that's kind of what this kid's chasing in the beginning. And I'm trying to reevaluate what does it mean that he's not learning the stuff he was supposed to from the education exam perspective, or at least studying. What does it mean that he wasn't doing the piano and really living it the way the way the other student was? And it kind of made me think about this, you know, life as experience as opposed to life as knowledge. And I don't think it has to be one or the other, but I think that is important that it's not, I, I don't think, I think some people present it as one or the other, and I think it's a mixture of them. Thinking about your Voltaire quote and the idea of perspective, I guess maybe for me, when I think back on this religion aspect of it is that maybe we aren't supposed to identify our own greatest moments, but they will be identified for us by others around us. Pun intended. <laughs> well, what's around this boy and he feel, would you say he feels lonely? Like I got the feeling for how I read this as loneliness, particularly when they describe him as they use a Ronin, like an academic Ronin in terms of traveling around, uh, that it made me feel like that he was alone and that he was perhaps missing some of that connection. And when he got up to the top of the Kobe mountain, which, you know, well, Kobe, but I mean, again, old capital, but he's, he's going on his hero's journey and who's up there. No one, right. No just, one. just the, the rhetoric of knowledge and not the experience. So to me, it's kind of hard to associate what the exact value is, but it does make me ask the question about what is experience versus what is knowledge. Definitely a sense of, I don't know if I got lonely. I mean, there's definitely loneliness there, but almost a sense of, of dread slash longing or the need for acceptance. I don't know. I, I was all over the place emotionally as, yeah. as I read through this, and I kept, I kept coming back to it. How am I supposed to feel about this? And I don't think mm -hmm. that there is a right answer. And I think that's what makes this piece so genius is it's going to pull on you specifically of what you're trying to get out of this piece, if anything at all. Yeah. Well, and then the last thing I'd say about this boy in, trying to, in terms of trying to get things out is we've talked a lot about him driving internally, his truth, his cream. And we have a quote where he says, well, in the book it says, but sometimes without even realizing it, we trample on people's feelings, hurt their pride make them feel bad. And this quote kind of reminds me about how we do that sometimes where we push so hard to see something, to see our truth, that we will hurt people around us in the process. And maybe that drives us towards loneliness. And we see with these two is that we have a very limited viewpoint of the relationship of the old man and the young man, and that our relationships do sometimes define us. And I know that cultivating relationships is a growing process and people are going to get hurt in that process. And that we might not mean to, but some people are going to dominate a relationship. They're going to rise above the others. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that they are the cream or they are better. It's just, I think the nature of life is that there will be some people that will be more outgoing or ones that will dominate the conversation or they're the ones that will manipulate the situation. And I think the old man is trying to give some advice to the young man of it, you, it doesn't need to be that way for you to be happy or to be okay with just yourself. Okay. Now, we have to talk about Katja, too, who is the lovely patron that recommended this as our monthly patron read as well. She actually just had a video, I'll put a link in the description down below, where she talked about how colors uh, sometimes show up in literature, and sometimes they can mean something, sometimes they can't. Did you notice anything with colors in the story? They're thrown out all over the place, right? It just seems yeah. to be hitting oh, yeah. you left and right here. Um, mm-hmm. We had some flowers and some specific colors, and I'm sure that you know more about that I about what the specific colors of a specific flower mean. <laughs> well, I I should preface this with that I don't have a conclusion, but I wanted to ask the question because she did raise it here recently, but you had gray all over the place. You had a gray sky. Uh, you had a gray sky. You have the gray herringbone jacket, which had a touch of blue. Uh he brought the red flowers, the gray clouds where no people were at the end. We have an old man, right, that was spitting the rhetoric, had the bluish gray wool cardigan, brown pants, and navy blue sneakers. So I just noticed that blue, gray, and red showed up a lot. And I didn't have any conclusions on that bow one, but if you guys out there watching did notice that and did have kind of uh, a takeaway or an interpretation on that, I'd love to hear from you in the comments down below what you maybe thought of some of these colors, because it was very clear that those colors showed up several times in a short story. This is not our first Murakami story. We'll leave a link below for a playlist to his other stories that we have done. And this story, Cream, was published January 21st, 2019. And it was translated by Philip Gabriel. Guys, we appreciate your support. If you'd like to check out our Patreon and hit that subscribe button, we'd appreciate however you want to spend time with us as we post videos every Monday and Thursday. Una out. Peace.